This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. And welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I'm joined by Nick Horwat. And what a weekend we just witnessed by the Pittsburgh Penguins currently riding a five-game winning streak. They currently sit, as of the moment, in second place in the Metropolitan Division. Now the Hurricanes have games in hand who are right behind them, but nonetheless... The Penguins are at the halfway point of the season. They sit in second place. This is their third win streak of five games or more. Things are things are looking up, Horwat, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. How are you? Doing good. For the first time in about a week and a half, I'm well-rested. So, um, And whenever I say well-rested, I mean I quite literally napped through the good part of uh, the Jets game <laughs> on Sunday. And other than that... you Wait, how did you say the Metro was standing? Right now the Penguins should be sitting in second place. We're in second, yeah. We're yeah, we're a point ahead of Carolina, a point behind the New York Rangers. I just don't know if I was if I missed that because I was writing down schedules for yeah. things. But man, you know what? The Penguins look like they're in a good spot. All of a sudden, we're out of a. Uh, I swear, I'm rested out of a <laughs> out of a wild card position yeah. and into a solid playoff spot. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's fun hockey. I feel like we haven't lost since December started. They really haven't. I mean, they've only lost, really I believe, haven't. like, they've lost two games in their last, like, 19. I think, isn't it 17 yeah. of their last 19 games they've won? Yeah, and I think before that streak started, there was that loss to the Oilers to start December. So maybe three times since the turn of the calendar in December into damn near the end of January, three losses is a... Uh, that's a hell of an average yeah under half a loss per week and we look damn good doing it because the entire time we are still not fully healthy doing it while trying to get people back doing it while losing other names and doing it with sadly for the most part only tristan jari in that but reasons yeah no it's uh it's something we'll get into and we're not gonna go too deep and we're not going to dive too deep into any of the three games that have happened since we last came to you last Thursday but we're going to talk a little bit and touch a little bit upon each of those games talk about where the Penguins are talk about Crystal Tang's 900th game and then we're going to have some some thoughts on the midpoint of the season because as of like I said as of Sunday's game the Penguins are halfway through their 2021-2022 NHL calendar schedule but Let's dive into the perfect weekend for the Pittsburgh Penguins. When we discussed it last Thursday, I don't think either of us believed that the Penguins could go through three games in three and a half days, essentially, without losing, without giving up a point. But realistically, they were able to do it. The only one that went into overtime was against the Jets. And that point doesn't matter. You're not facing the Jets in the standings. So the Penguins get six out of six points on a weekend, starting with a six to four win against the Ottawa Senators on Thursday night. Now, they were controlling that game by a 5-1 to one margin going into the third period and almost another complete destruction of a lead. It was 5-4 to four before Crosby, I believe it was, or Gensel, was able to put in the empty netter. And then, of course, you know, like I guess we're not diving too deeply into any of these games, but I'm sure you have something to say about Brady Kachuk running John Marino at the end of that game. Oh, because I texted yes. you? 
That's the literally the last yeah. correspondence we've had because I've been sick all weekend. Yeah, I was not fully surprised you didn't respond. I'm actually kind of surprised I was able to watch the game or that ending, I should say. But um, something about the Kachuk brothers. I know I've shouted them out in the past and have enjoyed the way they play, and I do. It just sucks playing against them. It gets your blood boiling. And I think that people really have the same thought when it comes to playing against either Kachuk. Just the whole situation of, I'm going to get the name wrong, this one's Brady, yes. right? Yes. As long as he didn't say Keith. It's just, well, here's the thing. All three of them are kind of assholes on the ice. So, yeah, that whole situation with Brady just, I wasn't surprised, but it's, it's that situation that will get your blood boiling as a fan of an opposing team. So you see where the anger and hatred comes from. I get it. I would hate to be a rival of the uh, Senators or the uh, Flames because playing against those two pests is awful. Mm. That's not fun because it that's just more stress on you. But again, watching it from afar, it's a hell of a lot of fun. Watching like watching Matthew, Matthew Kachuk and Drew Doughty go at it game after yeah. game. Whatever that was the thing was a ton of fun from an outsider's perspective. But now you're watching Brady Kachuk trying to, and let's just t- say it, take a run at John Marino. Yeah. That was a run. Do you, it was. The game was out of reach, and you thought it was a good idea. That, that was instigating also, by the yeah. way. It was. He took a run at the head and then was the first one to shake the gloves. John Marino's not a fighter. No, no. That was his first career fight, wasn't yeah, it? I mean, I don't know if it, it, I think it was his first career fight. I don't know exactly if it is, but I thought I saw that it, tweet. Obviously, watching that fight, John Marino is uh, not the not the heaviest of hands and not going to have a career in boxing anytime soon. No, but when you take a run at someone's head away from the puck uh, and immediately shake your gloves and say, "Let's go," that's instigating. Yeah, with less but, than a minute left in the game. Yeah, that's instigating, but. Here nor there, they took an L, and who cares? Yeah. They're a bad team. A lot, led by a good player, led by a very good player, just hell, of a, just not fun to play. Against. Led by a lot of good players. I mean, I I like a lot of the players on that team. I mean, Stim, Timmy Stutzla had a good game on Thursday. Also, Alex Formanton was all over the place on Thursday night for the Senators. So they're a good team, and Brady Kachuk is doing Kachuk things, but running Marino with less than a minute left, you know, <laughs> I would I didn't like it either. But it was nice to see John Marino stand up for himself because if not. You saw what happened on Sunday where Brock McGinn gets hit. Brian Boyle does come in, step in. The, this Penguins team, more so than in the past, but not really at a, at a high level, have players that will step in and answer the bell for everybody else. But it's nice to see Marino uh, step up for himself on Thursday. But the Penguins do end up coming away with the win in that one, 6-4. to four. Not the greatest performances in the third period by the whole team, as well as Tristan Jari, not a great third. But then they move over the second half of a back-to-back. Their only road game in this next two-week stretch was against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Division game, first time these two teams face up. Penguins take it by a score of 5-2. to two. It always seems to get a little hostile between these two. And I think this weekend, the one common thread between each of these games is the Penguins were a little antsy. They were a little bit aggravated. They were a little pissed. And it all kind of stemmed from the fact that they they blew that 5-1 to one lead. It made it 5-4. to four. And then Brady Kachuk at the end of that. I think that really set the tone for the weekend where a game against the Blue Jackets, the Penguins always have hostilities with them. It continued through that. Crosby, of course, puts the team on his back in that game, gets a hat trick and an assist, including a, a geometrically beautiful empty net goal to get his hat trick goal. And then the other story of that game is Casey DeSmith 
supposedly trying to give Tristan Jari a blow, gets pulled after the first period after giving up just two goals, and the game is tied at two. So, really, I don't know if, if that is because DeSmith just got off the COVID list, and they didn't think he looked good, or if it was simply because they don't trust Casey DeSmith. I don't know which one it is. I think it could be a little bit of both, but it's not good for a goaltender. I get giving up two goals is not great, but when you're tied after one and you get pulled, not a fantastic uh, not a fantastic look for the Penguins' backup goaltender. Not at all. No, it, two goals is not something you normally pull someone on mm-hmm. that quickly. Unless it's two, I mean, they kind of were. Unless it is two absolutely egregious goals that should not have gone in. Again, like I said, those two really shouldn't have. One was, what, a second attempt on a complete fan? Yeah. On shorthanded, no less. And the other was, well, it just squeaked through. Mm-hmm. These unfortunate things do happen, but getting the getting the hook after one period of play and two goals against, that's... Because again, it's the it's it was still a game within reach, yeah. clearly as the Penguins went on to win. But it was still a game within reach, even with the Smith and Net. That says something, regardless of coming off the COVID list or not. If you, yeah, that 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 says something. So there's something going on there back uh, behind the bench wise for Casey DeSmith. Mm-hmm. And the second it happened, there was a lot of tweets up of he probably just played himself right out of town. But again, Louis Domingue being hurt doesn't help yeah. the Penguin situation. At According least. to Taylor Haas, she saw Louis Domingue riding around on a scooter in the bowels of PPG Paints Arena on Sunday. So, yeah, not a great sign uh, for the Penguins' third perspective, second string goaltender in Louis Domingue. So we might see more Casey DeSmith. We might see Ron Hextall have to make a move. But nonetheless, and Mike Sullivan touched on it in his postgame press conference on Sunday, they've given Tristan Jari a massive workload, which, to his credit, as Sullivan said, to his credit, Jari is handled very well, but we need to make sure we manage that much better in the second half of the season. So they're going to be looking to get other players in, but when you're in a race this tight in the Metropolitan Division, you need somebody a little bit more reliable than what Casey DeSmith has been. Can Casey DeSmith be that guy? Potentially. Has he shown to be that guy this season? Not at all. So we won't go too deep into Casey DeSmith, but it seems as if there is certainly decisions to be made behind Tristan Jari in the goaltending room. There is. It's, and they're obvious ones, but for what it's worth still, we know we can have faith into Smith, sort of. Mm-hmm. Sure, this season's track record hasn't been great, but his past has shown us that he's been a reliable enough goalie. Mm-hmm. So it's good that we, haven't, that we weren't knee-jerk reacting to trading to Smith after three losses early this season because then let's say we were to pull up Deming and now he goes down well then what are we stuck with are we trying to scrap heap a goalie out of free agency or are we saying all right uh Dorio it's your turn because you're playing fairly well in Oaksbury or are we looking at Lindbergh down there and saying hey I know, we know we just got you and we want to develop you but get screwed you're coming up <laughs> So again, thankfully we have these NHL-ready goalies that are here rather than trying to make rash decisions. It's good that we're being patient with it because it, because of this sort of situation. Does it suck that Dominguez hurt? Absolutely. We would rather see him than to Smith at this point. But with this team and injuries, it's good that we were patient. Mm-hmm. 
for what it is worth. Yeah, I'm trying to pull up free agent goaltenders to even see what's on the market because I didn't think about just signing somebody. But uh, I don't even think there's anyone. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try to bring that up currently in a minute here. But let's move over to the Winnipeg game on Sunday because each of these games this weekend, all three of them, were kind of crazy in their own right. But that Winnipeg game was just an absolute barn burner. Certain portions of that game were, I mean, similar to what you saw in the NFL on Sunday night between Chiefs and Bills. The end of the Penguins... Jets' first period was similar to that, except nobody was scoring. It was a goaltending fest early and often between Connor Hellybuck and Tristan Jari, two guys that this year are probably going to get a lot of looks for Vezina votes. I mean, if the Jets can sneak into the playoffs, it's going to be at the hands of Connor Hellybuck because he has been, even though it's below his standard, he has been one of the big reasons why that Jets team is in a position they're in with games in hand to potentially move up into a playoff spot. But on the Penguin side of things, Holy crap. Tristan Jari deserves, and I heard, I believe it was Steve Mears say it, he deserves the first, second, and third star of Sunday's game. I mean, it, it, was, it was plain and simple. There's nobody else that deserved it. No, absolutely not. Uh, he made, There were, I think the, the Jets had 29 shots in the games. Two of them went in, so Jari made 27 saves. About 20 of them were 10 bell, cross crease, blow your mind saves mm -hmm. judging by the highlights that i saw and what i was able to hear a little bit of on radio during work it was just incredibly interesting stuff from jari because it's kind of what doming looked like in his first uh game with the penguins just mm -hmm. all over the ice because there's no defensive help really and at least he's making the saves it doesn't matter how as long as the puck is staying out of the net that's what just uh what Jari was thriving on on Sunday mm -hmm. you, the Kyle Connor goal that's gonna happen you get oh, that many yeah. chances it's gonna happen and for God's sakes it's Kyle Connor. yeah he's don't even worry about it the first one you like to have back but so be it every goalie's got their goal they want to have back as long as you're able to still pull out a win which we did so just you don't want to let your goalie not only are you he got, he got one period of rest in those three games. Yes. One period of rest. And he managed to play decent hockey through most of those three games. Granted, that Senators ending, not ideal. He had one bad period out of, what, eight? Eight and a half, if you include overtime? In a yeah. three-day stretch. Or four, three-and-a-half-day stretch. Yeah. And tack on the shootout where... The shootout against the Jets, who have goal scorers... Mm -hmm. That's a hell of a, that's a hell of a weekend. Yeah. So yeah, good on him for making all of the all of the needed saves. The defense could use a little help. And again, what is biting the Penguins in the ass? Not playing all sixty. Yeah, that's the biggest thing for them, and they certainly didn't on Sunday as well. Uh, part of that final five minutes in the first period, the craziness was the fact that the Penguins were down to eight forwards. Teddy Bluger gets mm -hmm. hit. By Brendan Dillon. We don't know his status as of right now. He's being evaluated, I would imagine, for a concussion. There was a lot of blood on the ice when that happened. And it was a hit to the head. And, and, and Mike Sullivan said as much. And he said that the referees just said they didn't see the head contact. And it, sometimes things are missed. And I don't know if you can retroactively call it. Sometimes they do. But that's not really how it's supposed to work. But retroactively, I'm sure they looked at that and they said, yeah, probably should have called something there. But we didn't see it in the moment. So Teddy Bluger 
as of right now, we don't know what his status is. Brian Rust got hit with a shot. He came back in the game. Brock McGinn got hit from behind into the boards. He came back into the game. And then Brian Boyle also went down to the dressing room after fighting. I don't remember who he fought right after the McGinn hit. So the Penguins had four forwards go down the dressing room in the final five minutes of the first period. That's usually not a good sign for a team's opportunities in a game. No, not at all. They had five forwards on the bench yeah. at one point. So that would be, what, the three on the ice, the five on the bench, and the four in the locker room? Now, for what it's worth, the Boyle one, I think I brushed that one off pretty quickly mm-hmm. because that's when you fight with under five minutes left, you just go to the locker yeah. room. So I was kind of letting that one slide pretty easily because, hey, that's just the rule. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you don't sit in the box. I mean, according to, uh, I'm going to get the name of Josh Getzoff mm-hmm. on the radio, he looked a little, not hobbled, but a little angry and frustrated heading down the runway anyway. Yeah. So maybe there was something I think there, he might have so... tweaked something at the end of the fight because you could see it on the broadcast as well. Yeah. So it was still something to worry about, but, but in my head I was at least kind of brushing it off as, hey, uh, there's just the possibility that it was the rule being played out because if the nhl and nfl for what it's worth and we saw a lot of that this weekend they don't like playing out their rules Uh -uh. but hey everyone came back out except for teddy bluger which in my head if a player doesn't come back after intermission just call it they're not coming back because the intermission's a long enough period where everyone is able to all the you know, need necessity needed coaches are able to kind of converge and have that discussion but yeah once an intermission comes through that's that uh, call them out yeah it's give and take sometimes i think there's also some examples where it takes a little bit longer to assess the injuries of a player but you know with teddy bluger and the way that he took that hit and the amount of blood that there was i don't think anybody expected him to be able to return unless it was simply just a missing tooth but it, it seemed like it was a little bit more than that he looked a lot more dazed than just missing a tooth yeah, it didn't look good. At first, you're looking at it as maybe it was just a broken jaw or something like that yeah. because of all the blood and just how the hit was a little lower, mm-hmm. but you see how close it is to the glass, and it's still a dangerous hit that can cause a concussion. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm no brain person. I just I don't know these things. But the main point of contact at least looked like the jaw, and from there, a lot can happen. But again, that was just my first thought in trying to be – kind of optimistic about it and that maybe it's just a broken jaw and he can throw the guard on and be back in a week or two Mm -hmm. nope 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 did not look good after i saw further replays yes well i don't think i'm a brain person either horwat but uh i think the best thing is to not uh to to wait until we get an update from uh from head coach mike sullivan so we'll see what happens there but uh as far as the rest of that game is concerned penguins were down two to nothing after two then they get two goals nine seconds apart both of them were kind of you know, crappy goals. They were, they were poop goals. I mean, one goes in off of Kasperi Kapanen skate for his ninth of the season. The other one, Hellebuck makes a bad decision and Jeff Carter shoots it in from a zero angle and banks it, I believe, off of his back right leg. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's two to two and the Penguins not only have life, but they have all of the momentum. And the big thing was early in the game, it was odd man rush after odd man rush after breakaway after odd man rush that Tristan Jari kept them in this game Third period, they battened down the hatches a lot better. Overtime, they battened down the hatches as much as you can in a three-on-three situation. And the Penguins played better in front of Jari, and Jari continued to stand on his head. And the Penguins, able to come out with a victory, a nice shootout goal by Sidney Crosby, Tristan Jari with 
18,000 fist bumps after he makes that last save. And the Penguins take all three games out of a crazy weekend. And, and the only other thing that I really recognize from that Jets game is, man, the Pittsburgh Penguins do not like P.L. Dubois. What do you expect from a former Blue Jack? Yeah, that's true. That's where it all started. And speaking of Penguins not liking people in the Winnipeg Jets, how was the Malkin-Wheeler rivalry? Non-existent. That continued? Non-existent. Ah, oh, damn it. Yeah, I didn't see... That's, Malkin, that was Malkin didn't really get, like... I feel like I haven't seen him really red-misted or even close to red-misted since he returned, which is a good thing for the Penguins because... Then you're just flipping a coin. Is this red mist that's going to give us three goals in two seconds? Or is it red mist that's going to give us a five-minute penalty kill in the next five seconds? So he's been really level-headed since he returned, and, and it was no different in this game. He must really not want that uh, penalty minute lead. He'll get it. He'll get it eventually. He'll get it. Yeah. But uh, no, let's let's talk about, before we get into overall takeaways of the weekend, I do want to mention the fact that on Sunday, Chris Letang played his 900th NHL game for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He is the fourth player in Penguins history to hit the 900-game mark behind, of course, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Mario Lemieux. But even more importantly and more you know, significantly for him, he is the first and only Pittsburgh Penguin to play 900 games in the black and gold. Horwat, before we get into our beliefs, I do have his quote about what he felt like and how, or what it means, I should say, for him to play 900 games in this franchise. I mean, it's, it's it's awesome, obviously, to have the chance to to play with those guys for for that many games. Um, it's just been an unbelievable ride, you know. Um, winning three cups with these guys, being part of this organization, um, um, it's special, you know. Um, as a kid, you don't you don't think it's gonna happen, and here I am, just just playing with probably the, the one of the best players to ever play the game, you know. So that's Chris Letang on, on playing 900 games with the Pittsburgh Penguins and specifically playing with guys like Evgeny Malkin, Sidney Crosby, talking about the Stanley Cups they've won, the success they've had. It really, you, you hear it and you see it when you see the video, how important it is for him to be a part of this organization. Horwat, what I want to ask to you about this is what do you believe his legacy will be in Pittsburgh? As of right now, obviously the book is not over. The chapters are still yet to be written. But what do you think as of right now his legacy will be in Pittsburgh? Looking back at him as the greatest defenseman to play for the Penguins. Yeah. Ever. That's really it. They're, and everything that comes with being that. Mm. that to, Everything that comes with being that, that of that stature and given that title. Because for what Paul Coffey did, the longevity for him was not here in this city. I mean, Paul Coffey bounced around way more than anyone wants to give credit for. Uh, but he set the standard for uh, Latang to come up and just raise the bar. It's 900 games of I mean, playing damn near 30 minutes a night, yeah. being the Iron Man, battling through every injury imaginable on and off the ice. I mean, it's stuff of... Well-deserved legend. Yeah. It's like I mentioned. It's he'll he's already looked at in my eyes as the greatest defenseman in Penguins history. That will only continue, and it's gonna take a, it's gonna take one hell of a superstar to cross that path for the Penguins. So for a long time coming, he'll be looked at as the greatest defenseman in Penguins history, and it who knows if that will ever change or how long that'll take. Um, 
Does he reach a thousand? That's yet to be seen, really, but that's probably the next big milestone for him, unless there's some points thing that I'm missing. But regardless, he's where he stands. It can't be topped. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I when I think about Letang and his legacy, I know there were a couple years there where I was not the biggest fan of Chris Letang, and he he went through a little bit of a stretch there where he, nobody was a big fan of Chris Letang. He was struggling. Yeah. Um, and he turned his game around, and especially when the Penguins brought back Todd Reardon, it seemed like that rejuvenated him even further, and now he's a player that, you know, I would not be surprised if he finished in the top five, top ten of Norris Trophy voting. He deserves to be there as the the sample size and what he's put on the ice this year. So when I think of his legacy in Pittsburgh, I agree with you. Greatest defenseman in Pittsburgh Penguins history. Easily. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you mentioned the Norris Trophy thing. It's a damn shame he's never come close to one yet. Yeah. I mean, that just happens, though, when you play in a league that has all of a sudden seen a lot of very skilled defensemen come mm-hmm. back. Or I think we discussed this at, at minimum a couple weeks ago or last week or something. The It it hurts that he's never made an Olympic team either. Yeah. Just bad luck for those years. Yeah. This could have been a good year for him, maybe, if, I mean hard to cross over Kale McCarr I guess true but who knows he could have been a reserve been mentioned on the team in the running for given a tryout whatever it may be and that being able to have these discussions the possible possibility of a Vesna candidacy or thinking he should have been invited to the Olympics if NHL players are going at 35 it's incredible that there's been no slowdown yet mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd love to see him on the Norris ballot for sure. Um, I also think that along with being the greatest defenseman in Penguins history, retired number, we ha- we've we had that discussion. Should it be retired? Yes. You know what? Yeah, at this point, and, and again, there's still chapters to be written. This is a team that is focused on winning a Stanley Cup, the fourth of his career and the fourth of this core. Should they retire his number? I think that's almost a certainty at this point. And the Pittsburgh Penguins Hall of Fame, that, again, is, is a certainty at this point. Um, there's a tweet from our good friend Jesse Marshall on Twitter from yesterday. Uh, quote, 900 games for Latang. Never forget the guts it took from Craig Patrick, who was the general manager of the Penguins at the time, to take him when he did. The game was different in that time. Hadn't gotten to the new rules yet. It was big, hulking defensemen still in vogue. Latang was an outlier, but Patrick saw the direction the game was heading. So thinking about the fact that Chris Latang has played his game for 900 games, back when, you know, he was one of the first. It's like a Marty St. Louis thing. St. Louis was one of the first to be a superstar at his size. I mean, we also have to remember Theo and Fleury. But like Chris Letang's style of defenseman was not as common as it is now. Like that, that, that that's a dime a dozen now. You have your Kale McCars, your Quinn Hughes, uh, your Adam Foxes, especially. But Chris Letang has been that for 900 games in the National Hockey League, and the Penguins would not be where they are without him. And he, like I said, he's played his best hockey since 2015-16, since Mike Sullivan took over. And if you don't think there is a correlation there, you're dead wrong. And it might be the, it might be something as simple as the confidence that Sullivan has had in him. But uh, whatever whatever has happened, Chris Letang has became can't miss for the Pittsburgh Penguins and has become a huge portion, the third biggest portion, third or fourth. I mean, Jari's right up there for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, he has been. It's he's been a huge part of the success. I mean, in the in the great words of Sidney Crosby, what's his streak at? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was at a career high going into the Jets game. I don't know if it's 
Did he score in the Jets game? Uh, he did not yeah. get a point in the Jets game. So. Well, there goes that. But it was at a career high going into it. So there's something to be said about that. Again, going in 34, 35 years old, hitting a career high like that now, mm-hmm. when you're technically quote-unquote in NHL terms past your prime, yeah. that's something special. The fact that we can have these sort of discussions about the greatness that is still going on in the in the latter ages of Chris Letang, of Genny Malkin, of Sidney Crosby. Those are special players. You don't talk about these sort of stats and numbers for 35-year-olds for everyone. Yeah. You don't, but these guys, you do. Yeah. I mean, in the words of, what's his name? Why can't I remember? From The Office, Andy. You know, I wish somebody would tell you that you're in the good old days before they are over. Penguins fans, these are the good old days, so you better enjoy them with Sidney Crosby of Getty Malkin and Chris Letang all in black and gold. Uh, Let's finish off this segment by saying, what is something you learned about this team this weekend? Like, overall encapsulating, what is something that you learned about this team with their three wins against Ottawa, Columbus, and Winnipeg? They may not play all 60, but the 40 or 20 that they do play might be good enough for now. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I I like that. Uh, I learned two things this weekend. One, they would be nowhere without Tristan Jari this season. We'll talk about it in the next segment with our, our midway point of the season discussion. Tristan Jari is a Vezina caliber, Vezina candidate this year. The Penguins would be nowhere without him. And two, specifically on Sunday, I learned that this team has that something special where no deficit seems insurmountable. We're talking about Chris Letang a lot. He said a couple weeks ago when we talked about it on an episode of Sully Speak, he said about last season, he said, you know, it didn't seem like any lead was safe for our opponents. We seemed comfortable when we were down. That was last year. We don't know what we're at this year. We don't know our potential this year. Well, on Sunday, I had that thought early in the third period when it was two to nothing. I was like, you know, not much has gone on and gone right for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But for some reason, it call it blind optimism, maybe. For some reason, I was like, they're going to find a way to win this game. Or at least they're going to find a way to scratch and claw back into this game. They're going to beat Connor Hellebuck. I, like, I had no doubt in my mind with about 18 minutes left. I was like, you know, there's still something left to be said here in this in this game from the Penguins. And, you know, needless to say, not all the time that I have that feeling does it actually happen. But when it happens like it did on Sunday, and they find ways to score, they didn't even really shoot the puck into the net. I mean, I guess Carter did. But realistically, they didn't score pretty ways. The Jets did score pretty ways. And it was a goaltending duel. The Penguins found a way to win that game. And that's something that, listen, I'm not ready to crown them the Stanley Cup favorite. But you know what? They're a Stanley Cup contender this year. They are. And what happens in the playoffs will happen in the playoffs. But are they one of the best teams in the National Hockey League right now? Yes. Do I think that they can contend with the sta- with every team in a seven-game series? Yes. What happens when the playoffs come around? That's a different story. We'll have to talk about that. We, the playoff Penguins, are they the same as the regular season Penguins? That's a discussion to be had later. But right now, the way they're playing compared to the rest of the league, they are a Stanley Cup contender. You know, I guess I guess the Lightning, the year they got swept by the Blue Jackets, were also a contender during the regular season. So anyone can be a contender in the regular season. It is just all about the uh, playoffs and how you do there. You know, I said a few weeks ago, I don't want to call this team a contender until they can prove it in the playoffs. But what you're speaking there is true. And is it's that, like I said, the, the Lightning were contenders yeah. that year they got beat. The, but the Canadians were not last year. Exactly. 
things change, things switch, and things get hectic in the playoffs. As for the regular season, yeah, I can agree the Penguins are, are Stanley Cup contenders. I'm going to say that with an asterisk and say that opinion can change like that if the playoffs fall. Mm-hmm. But obviously, if the playoffs fall, they're out. doesn't even count. doesn't even matter. So, how about, my opinion is useless. How, how about this? Because realistically, words are just things that we use for, I don't know, big brain shit. But how about instead of, uh, they're, they're contenders, we'll say that, but they're not favorites. For sure. Favorites means that you believe they can do it in the playoffs. That's how we'll do it on this podcast. Everybody else in the world can have their regular English definitions. Contender means we think that they're one of the best teams in the league and that we think that, you know, right now they are a team that should be looked at as a potential Stanley Cup winner versus favorites, which is people that I believe, I don't care what they do. They're going to be in there at the end of the year. Tampa Bay, Vegas, Colorado. Tampa Bay has to be the obvious one because they've won two years in a row. No, they could be in the middle of a 13, 14, 15 game losing streak. Like the Flyers. And we can't count them out. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw uh, that But in we there. can't. Had to. I'm shocked it took us this long to not mention the Flyers are in last in the Metro <laughs> and have the most losses out of anyone in the Metro. The second least wins with the second most amount of games played. Yeah. Or is it the least amount of wins? I forget. You, Regardless. Either way, they're bad. They've lost 11 straight. Yeah. It is the least amount of wins. It's 13 in 41 games. Oh, the, the Islanders have more wins in way more games yeah. played. Anyway, that's enough of the that's enough of the Flyers bashing for now. Yeah. So we're, we'll come back. We'll to come that. back to that at some point. Uh, that's gonna be. We're gonna take a quick break. That's not gonna be it. My my throat is hoping that's it, but it's not. We're gonna take a quick break. When we return, we're gonna talk about the Penguins at the midpoint of the 2021-2022 season. Four teams remain in the NFL playoffs, and that means only four teams left for you to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? You can experience the conference championships with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 to win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. The Pittsburgh Penguins have now played 41 games in the 2021-22 season, which means we are officially at the halfway point. We only have 41 games remaining. The Penguins currently riding a five-game winning streak, have won 17, I believe, of their past 19 games, only two games lost since December 2nd. We can put it that way. That's it. Just the 3-2 loss to the Stars, and then that 
game that happened in LA that we don't really need to talk about again. But the Pittsburgh Penguins are riding high heading into the midpoint of the season. We want to talk about our thoughts, who our team MVP is, who we, what we think the biggest weakness is. We'll get to all of that. But before we do that, let's hear from the coach. Let's have a quick little Sully speak segment and hear from head coach Mike Sullivan what he thought of the Pittsburgh Penguins at the midpoint after Sunday's 3-2 win over the Winnipeg Jets. Well, I think our team has played a lot of really consistent hockey. Um, you know, I think most recently it might might be our most volatile game team game that we've put on the ice. So, I think that's our challenge moving forward is to, is is to put a consistent game on the ice that we think is going to give us a chance to win, regardless of who our opponent is. You know, and it and it comes down to, for me, it comes down to a team game, knowing what your role is, doing your job, and trusting that your teammates are going to do theirs on both sides of the puck, and then it's having an understanding of of risk reward when when we're out there. I think when we when we're calculated and we make. Uh, we, we, we make better decisions with the puck, uh, so we put our teammates and our team in good spots. I think that's when our team's at its best. And, and for most of the year, I think we've been pretty good about it. But, you know, and I, I think uh, most recently, I, th I, I don't think our, our risk-reward factor has been as diligent, and that's our challenge moving forward. So consistency, basically. Basic, he, he said, basically, in layman's terms, Mike Sullivan says... We've played really good. We've played really consistently for the most part this season. Lately, we really haven't, and that's our challenge. We need to find consistency. Horwath, basically what you said in the first segment. Can you play a full 60 minutes, please? All we want. That's that's how you win <laughs> in the playoffs is playing a full 60. You don't play a full 60 in the playoffs and someone else does, it's over. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's not as simple as that. I mean, we're saying it's as simple as that. The NHL is such a good league with so much parity. We understand that you're not going to control – 60 full minutes of a team you're not going to completely be in the driver's seat for an entire 60 minutes it's just these dips and how low these dips get like giving up three goals to the Ottawa Senators when you have a five goal lead in the third period like what happened in LA in the third period when you're tied at two you give up three goals in a matter of a, a minute and a half it's those stretches that need to be eliminated. Yes, you can make bad plays, obviously. It's a hard league to play a full, perfect 60 minutes. We're not saying play perfectly. We're just saying play to your game for a full 60 minutes. And again, it's hard to do that sometimes, and you're not going to be able to do that every single night. But it'd be nice if the Penguins were able to get that on a more consistent basis, and I think that's exactly what Mike Sullivan is saying in that quote there. It's exactly what it is. We just want to see them play the full 60. Because mm -hmm. that's... You know, the main portion of being consistent for this team. It, yeah. it was a pretty easy deciphering there. Just we, we need to yeah. play the full 60. We need to look like we want it at all times and not take the foot off the pedal if we're ahead, not give up if we're down. I mean, which that's what they're doing very well recently. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they were only ever behind by one in Columbus, right? Or did that uh, get to yes. two? Yes, it okay. was one to nothing, one to one, two to one, two to two, and then Penguins. Yeah. Okay. That's the other big part of it because we're able to know that we're not out of this game now. We're down mm -hmm. two nothing to to Winnipeg. Connor Hellebuck standing on his head, but so is our goalie. Let's just do our thing and try and score. Um, a goalie, a goaltending change in the Columbus game. So be it. We were still down and we still fought back. It's not a game that you want to lose so if you're behind it's not over that's the part that is also very 
uh, it gives us confidence. Mm-hmm. So I have three questions here to ask about the midpoint of the season, and both of us are going to give our answers here. And the first one is looking at the Penguins right now, like we mentioned, sitting in second place in the Metropolitan Division, winners of five straight, three win streaks of five or more since the beginning of December. Is this team overachieving or are they playing to their potential? You know, they might be a little bit since uh, we have done all this just in technical layman's terms of overachieving. We might be because we did a lot of this without Crosby, without Malkin. The Tang was hurt or down for a game or two. Tristan Jari didn't have all the faith in the world going into this season. Uh, Kasperi Kapanen, who was supposed to be this year's star to carry over, not much has happened. Over and, and then just Evan Rodriguez being Evan Rodriguez this year. We might be technically overachieving, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. We're overachieving the best way possible because now everyone is back and nothing has really changed. We're still just as good. It was just mm-hmm. different players were stepping up at the right time. So in the grand scheme of overachieving, yeah, I'd say so. But at the same time, in a league with a ton of parity, it looks like it's par for the course because everyone is back and it's still the same. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to answer this a different way than somebody, say, from the national markets wouldn't answer this. If you're asking a national analyst or a, a national podcaster or, or somebody, they're probably going to say that the Pittsburgh Penguins are far overachieving anything that was expected of them. Yep. Well, that's because the expectations nationally were not that high for the Pittsburgh Penguins coming into this season. In Pittsburgh, I, I think a lot of the Penguins media and Penguins fan base they expect a little bit more, and Sullivan even talked about that on Sunday as well. He said, listen, there's an expectation. He basically gave his Spider-Man, it's, you know, power and responsibility thing. Well, he gave his version of the Mike Tomlin standard is the standard speech on Sunday. And basically, the Penguins are slightly, I think, overachieving as well. Like, there is a standard there, no matter who's in that locker room, of what you need to do. Now, do I think the Penguins are encapsulating the standard as the standard better than the Steelers? Yes, but this (laughs) is not a Steelers podcast. Now, the Penguins are slightly overachieving. Can Jari sustain this level? If he can, he's a a top three in Vesna. I mean, the guy has played so much hockey, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But can he sustain this level? Probably not. Probably not playing eight and a half, nine periods in three and a half days. He's not going to be able to go out there and do that against the teams that you're about to face, considering you haven't faced the Rangers, you haven't faced the Hurricanes. So can he sustain that particular level? Probably not, but he can still be really good. And then also, we already talked about the fact that they don't usually come out to close a full 60-minute performance. Haven't been able to do that in the last couple of weeks. And secondly, and lastly, they don't play well with a lead right now. Listen. No, yeah. Twice this month, you've had a five-goal lead almost vanish in the third period. You need to play better when you have the lead. And it's not just in those performances. There have been times where they've had the lead going to the third, and they visibly take their foot off the gas. Push it through the floorboards. Blow people out. Run up the score. Why are you taking... I understand sometimes you want to you know, save a little bit for the next day, but can we at least not put it in in neutral. Can we at least put it in, I don't know, just put it in, what's it called? Highway assist or whatever the hell it is. Cruise control? Cruise control. Put it in cruise control. Don't put it in neutral. That's what you need to do because at least then you're staying at a certain speed, not just slowly slowing down to the end of the game. So that's why I think it's a slight overachievement. I think there's areas that this team 
is is lacking when it comes to just their performance. But I don't think there's any main weakness, which takes me to the next question. Horrell, what do you believe the biggest weakness is for the Penguins at this point? That consistency that Mike Sullivan was talking about, that we yeah. were just saying, that we're taking our foot off the gas, that we're not able to play a full 60. Because those have been the biggest concerns as of recently. It's it's not that this team can, is going to lose all the time. We're, we're seeing them still hold on to a lead and still win. We're seeing them go down in the beginning of a game but still come back to win. It's just the consistency of not being – or it's just the inconsistency of playing a full 60. We're not able to do it. Mm-hmm. That's my biggest concern and the biggest thing that needs to change. If I had to think of anything else, maybe it's the injury thing again. But at yeah. this point, we've talked that one into the ground. Yeah. And Stay healthy. Yeah. I think we've been we've also been asking for that for the Penguins for how many years now? I don't know. I think the year was eighteen twelve, and the Penguins were at full health for the first time ever. Just kidding, obviously. But uh, no, they it, they haven't had full health, and I think we jinxed it last week when we brought up the lineup and we said, "Hey, the only two players out of the lineup are coming back on Saturday because of COVID illness," and then all of a sudden, Jason Zucker, after one game back, said, "Yeah, that injury that I just came back from, I still have it, and I'm gonna sit down for a little while." And now, obviously, Louis Domingue follows suit. We don't know where Teddy Bluger is at. And we're right back in the same position that the Pittsburgh Penguins were in a couple weeks back where they're starting to now lose players instead of having everybody on the slow trail back. So, yeah, staying healthy is obviously a, a, a big thing. Their biggest weakness is the fact that they have been injured all year and they continue to deal with these injuries. But that's, again, something that is almost out of their control. And again, the inability to play the full 60 minutes. I'm going to go a little bit of a different angle because we've mentioned this ad nauseum for the past 15 minutes. Whenever something really good happens, and Mike Sullivan does what every head coach does, good things happen, you put it on the players. You say, hey, it's the guys in the room. It's the leaders in the room. Bad things happen. He says, you know, maybe I, I needed to do this or do that. Well, when they have the lead and they're blowing these leads, it's a combination. You as a coach, if you want to be considered one of the best coaches in the league, You can't allow your players, whether you have Sidney Crosby there or not, you can't allow your players to take the foot off the pedal that much. You need to have them motivated. If not, then you're not doing your job properly. And if you're Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, and your team's taking off like that, and your team is starting to to play lackadaisically with the lead, and all of a sudden it is so noticeable that two schmucks that don't have media credentials (laughs) can sit here on a Monday morning and say that this is an issue, that this is a clear issue, then you should probably be doing a better job at motivating your teammates. And that goes for like a Brian Boyle as well. Like you need to make sure that you play that full 60 minutes or at the very least, as I already said, after you helped me out with the, the terminology, because I don't know why, uh, cruise control, not neutral. I know cruise control because I don't use it. I use it when I drive back to Pennsylvania, but that's about it. No, I've driven to Erie many a time. I don't use it. I just don't like using it. So I'm never in cruise control. See, be more like me. <laughs> So you better never be in neutral either. No, I'm not. I might not <laughs> okay. be able to get out of my parking spot today, but yeah. I'm at least always in drive. Yeah. So let's finish off this segment with a team MVP at the halfway point. I mean, why not? I mean, it's fun to do low stakes. We still got 41 games left. Whatever we say here is not that big a deal. Horwat, who's your, who's your Penguins team MVP to this point? Tristan Jari. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's unanimous. I'll let you go okay. first on why. 
Uh, just because he's, he, ironically, he's been the most consistent player on the team. Yeah. Of all people. I think because mm-hmm. it's not that the expectations were low. It's it's not that. The expectations weren't low. It was we just wanted to see something better than what he gave us in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And he's been giving us a possible Vesna caliber situation. He's looked incredible. He's he's kicked it into high gear this season. Mm-hmm. He's making this the correct save. He's making all of the saves. Again, look at the Winnipeg game. He's making the important saves. He's making the hard ones. Sure, the Ottawa game is going to happen. Every goalie has that game, though. Every now and again, that's bound to happen, and the Penguins don't like playing defense this year. Maybe that's another big issue. But right now, it's Tristan Jari because he's putting together this season that... Um, is quite astounding. I just need to scroll to find his numbers again. Um, mm-hmm. But how many games has it been? 33 games played, 22 wins. That's not yeah. bad. A 9.28 save percentage of 2.09 goals against average. I mean, dude's putting up a hell of a season. And mm-hmm. I think this past weekend, where there was three games in four days, and he got one period off, and then tacked more on for an overtime, it kind of cemented it in a way of, here's how good he's been this year. We just mm-hmm. want to see this continue in the playoffs now. But for now, team MVP. Yeah. Yeah, as, as of right now, he's he's the team MVP, and I don't think there's much of a question. I do have a couple honorable mentions. Uh, Evan Rodriguez, the way that he performed when everybody was injured, he was outstanding. I think he's leveled off a little bit the past couple of weeks. He's just had a couple of games where it wasn't bad by any stance of the any any means of the word, but he also got dropped in the lineup. That's also a possible reason why his numbers haven't been ridiculous in these past couple of games, but he's had a great season as well. Yeah, I was thinking of him too, but I just recently pulled his numbers up. He's gone eight games without a point. That's his longest of the season. Yeah. That's what we would expect from Evan Rodriguez. Well, yeah, but also think about the fact that Evgeny Malkin came back seven games ago. Oh, yeah. no. So, And that's exactly when Evan Rodriguez's role was diminished in the lineup. Yeah, there's a legitimate reason why Rodriguez has kind of regressed to the mean, like we like we mentioned. Mm-hmm. But if you want to win Team MVP, you got to maintain that consistency regardless of where you're playing. We thought popping him on the third line when Malkin came back would be a good idea because, hey, there's a if he's able to maintain this... Uh, pace that's a scoring threat on a third line well now he's gone eight games to that point we don't really know what we have anymore he's still useful on this team he's still a viable threat because watching him play he's playing with confidence he's Mm -hmm. shooting the puck a lot more he's playing like he has the ability to be a top line forward so it's perfectly okay keep him in keeping him in the lineup i'm not shouting to take him out yet oh no oh no no not yet not yet it's possible it can come around because it is still evan rodriguez and yeah still just evan rodriguez um who are your other honorable mentions? yeah to close it on on rodriguez yeah. really quickly obviously you get taken off the top power play you don't get as many points you get put on the third line instead of the first and the second you don't get as many points but you also look at the way that he's been playing it's been pretty good jeff carter scoring goals dom simone scored a goal the other day so it's not like his line isn't scoring it's just he's not been able to get on the score sheet uh the other honorable mentions i have Sidney Crosby is just casually over a point a game yep. and just casually leading this team once again to a potential division championship, which again, halfway through the season. But the fact that they're in the race with those other three teams, big parts because of Crosby and also 
how do you mention Penguins MVP and not talk about Sidney Crosby? At least a little bit. At least a little bit. But uh, the other person is Jake Gensel. Yep. Just look at the numbers for both of those guys. That's all you need to see. Yeah. Yeah. You could even throw Latang in there if you really wanted to for 32 assists this year. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Honestly. The only thing more surefire than the Penguin in the past two months than the Penguins not losing was Jake Gensel scoring a point. Okay, so here's another fun little stat. Chris Letang has 32 assists, right? Second on the mm-hmm. team in scoring. His 32 assists is more than, oh yeah, everyone behind him in total points. Sidney <laughs> Crosby only has 31 yeah. and he's third. Now that'll pass him. That'll yeah. change in a moment. Yeah. But 32 assists for Chris Letang is more than a majority of the team has combined points. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd say he's doing pretty well this year. Yeah. So uh, to close the book on Tristan Jari as well, because that is our team MVP. I mean, unanimous decision. There's only two people. But uh, unanimous decision. You mentioned the fact that, you know, you said all his stats here, but I'll run down them again and, and say where he is comparable to the rest of the league. He has a 22-7-4 and four record. Those 22 wins tied for second in the National Hockey League. Only one win behind Andre Vasilevsky for first place. 2.09 goals allowed average, that's good for third in the National Hockey League. A 9.28 save percentage, tied for second in save percentage as well. And then goal saved above average, which a lot of people look at and say, you know, this is this is one of the most accurate representations of the best goalies in the league is goal saved above average. He is fourth with 11.03, and that is with playing in 33 of 41 games for the Pittsburgh Penguins. 31 games starting, only 10 games where they haven't been like, yep, Tristan, just go head out there. Just go head out there. So, yeah, easily Tristan Jari for the team MVP. And also, one tidbit that we didn't mention in the first segment, the Penguins did wear their third jerseys on Sunday afternoon. They are undefeated with the Snoop Dogg Gin and Juice jerseys. So, there's also a nice little fact, you know, that's what we do. Stats here facts that's what we give a tip of the iceberg i really hope this team doesn't ruin it by trying to wear them in the playoffs don't do that no please don't no. Do i that. like them i love them but no. i i don't need that much more of them i don't like when teams wear thirds in the playoffs anyway didn't like that's it last true. year i don't like when other teams do it admittedly See, I... 2016 was an outlier we knew we were going permanently to that yeah uh that was different otherwise i don't like it that's yeah, just me, that's that, that's fair. The only time that I have enjoyed it, besides 2016, because again, you knew that the Penguins were going to make that their their actual jersey. I like when the Carolina Hurricanes do it, just because I love the take warning jerseys. That's fair, but that's that's fair, but again, it's just not my not my shtick. I don't know. I think those and the Canes road jerseys that it's a, it's a good look. But we can discuss look. that. Yeah, we we can discuss that off air. Let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll finish off the show with our weekly Pens Poll. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and even better opportunities. Again, make sure you use code THPN at sign up for great odds and better opportunities. I think the, the Hockey Podcast Network is also doing a giveaway. I believe it's a $100 NHL shop gift card or something like that. 
Uh, I don't remember the exact giveaway, but it's $100 to something. If you just Ooh. go on there, you retweet it, you make sure you follow the Hockey Podcast Network and DraftKings, and just drop in your DraftKings username, and you have an opportunity there for even more giveaways and prizes. So code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. We have the Pens poll to finish off this episode. Not going to lie. This one was kind of just, I needed a Pens poll and I threw it out there. But after the All-Star rosters were announced a week and a half ago, I put up there, in your opinion, who is the biggest All-Star snub? Sidney Crosby won the poll because the majority of our follower base are Pittsburgh Penguins fans. So making sense there. Nazem Kadri came in second, but he is now in the All-Star game. He was the last man in selection for the Central. He had 34% of the vote. Igor Shosturkin, who is right now the favorite for the Vezina Trophy, gets 18% of the vote. And other got 8% of the vote. I don't have the actual tweet up, so I don't know if anybody commented in the other. Uh, again, been a long week, been a long weekend. But what do you think of this poll and who did you vote for? I voted for Igor Shosturkin because his numbers are nutty. Yes, Sidney Crosby honestly just may not have wanted to go and just said, please do not put me in. Because it, it makes sense if, a, if people don't want to go this year, COVID, they just want their week off or their two weeks off or whatever. And now it might not be much for certain teams because they have to reschedule games. They just want their time off, mm. so I get it. Plus, Crosby's been known of, as to not wanting to go before. Yeah. I mean, it being in Vegas is different, but still. Kadri is now in, so I just... that. Even if I did vote for him, I'd probably would change it because he's now in, and that just doesn't count. Well, yeah. At the time, I get it. Yeah, it's good. That's a solid choice to put on there. Whenever, with mm-hmm. given the information we knew at the time, but it's just it's just Durkin season. I mean, I don't have his numbers in front of me, but I remember the last I saw of them, they were stupid. Like yeah. they were league leading stupid. And as for your other, I have. Uh, Evan Rodriguez should have been considered, and Jake, who, by the way, Jake Ensel is now in, so he also doesn't count, but still, yes. given the information we knew at the time, it wasn't sure, and he also ended up second in that vote anyway. So Yeah, yeah, Mika Zibanejad was the initial vote for last man in in the Correct. Metro. So Igor Shosturkin's numbers, because I did pull them up, because they are ridiculous, and they're, they're comparable to Tristan Jari's, so... Uh, But only in 25 games played, that's the big thing there. He did miss time due to injury. 19 wins, 4 losses, 2 overtime losses. Pretty good. 2.07 goals allowed average, so it's slightly better than than Tristan Jari. And a 9.36 save percentage, he leads the National Mm -hmm. Hockey League in save percentage. And it also helped that at the time, his team was in first place. They still are right now. They still are. They still are. I, I just realized that's not Carolina that's in first place. But uh, no, my selection, though, for this was Nazem Kadri. The guy is fifth in the NHL in scoring. Yeah. No, Nazem Kadri's having a nutty season, too. Shockingly. Yeah. More or less, because it's it's it, it was like having the discussion about Evan Rodriguez a few weeks ago. It, it was, mm-hmm. where is this coming from? Now, Nazem Kadri makes a little more sense because we know he is at least a skilled, good player. Yes. Evan Rodriguez is just shocking. But Nazem Kadri being top five in a league stat is incredible. Didn't expect that one, mm-hmm. unless it's suspensions yeah. in the playoffs. Oh, sorry. Geez. I knew I knew that it was had coming. To. I, and you feel for the guy, but got to help your yes. team somehow. And he's doing it this year. Yeah. So far. Yeah, he's been a lot better. He's been on his best behavior in Colorado, except for a couple suspensions. But no, I, I had Nazem Kadri fifty-one points on the season as of right now. He is the last man in. I made this selection, obviously, before he was named the last man mm-hmm. in. 
But uh, no, he's having a great season. And there was an interview that they did with Darcy Kemper, ESPN did with Darcy Kemper, and they said, you know, what does it mean to see Nas get the nod to go to the All-Star game? And he said, honestly, you know, there could be more than three players going from the Colorado Avalanche, and there could be. I mean, Nazem Kadri's going, Nathan McKinnon's going, and Kale McCarr's going. Darcy Kemper started bad, but he's coming around right now. I mean, on a new team, you expect that. But you look at Ranton, and you look at Landis Cog, you, you look at that entire team, and you're like, embarrassment or riches? Do we all remember when they were really, really bad in 20, what is it, 2015-16? They were really bad. Record-breaking that year. bad. I forget which year it was now. It was record-breakingly bad until Detroit a few years later. But they were really bad. Like, that was the Matt Duchesne wanted to get out of Colorado, all that stuff going on. Now you look at them, you know, the last two years, they've been top three in, in Stanley Cup predictions, like always. And last year, they won the freaking President's Trophy. So... This is a team that is built to last, and Nazem Kadri is having a career year for them. And the latter stage of his career as well. We've seen a lot of older players in the National Hockey League this year just absolutely go off. I mean, Alex Ovechkin is not as surprising, but the guy is up there in, in the goals race again. He has he had two goals on Saturday night. So it, we're seeing a lot of the older generation still stick around and playing really well with the young generation doing just as much as well. I mean, it's been a fun season thus far, and it's sad that we're halfway through. That means we only have one half left, but it's going to heat up, and it's going to get really interesting. Oh, yeah, the back half's always the more fun half. Oh, yeah, trades, deadlines, playoff positioning on the line. It's going to be a fun, what, three months until the start of the National Hockey League Stanley Cup playoffs? Yeah, something like that. I mean, granted, we're going to I guess they're filling that February time, so, yeah, about three months. They are. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they did schedule 95 games the other day they dropped them including switching around nine penguins games so if you want to know what games changed on the penguin schedule head over to our twitter page at iceberg podcast we posted a rundown of where each game moved and where they came from and yeah trying to decipher all the craziness because the nhl is trying to get through a full 82 game slate but that's going to do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg thank you to everybody for tuning in we'll be back on thursday Trying to work on getting a guest on for that show to talk about the the midpoint of the season a little bit more in depth. But as of right now, we will be back Thursday. At the very least, you know it will be me, Nick Berlansky, and my buddy, Nick Horwat, here with you talking about the Penguins, whether or not they beat the Coyotes. We'll discuss that. And then we'll also talk about the Penguins Kraken coming up on Thursday. So make sure you check that out on Thursday's episode. But that is it for this one. See you guys on Thursday. Have a good one, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.